This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Michael Kalstrup and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit us at www.thefellowship.church. You'd open it to Matthew again, chapter 16. We've used this throughout the month of January, and uh, now just at least in this first part, we want to share and convey this scripture with you again today because it, uh, it has relevance. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16. Hallelujah. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist, others Elijah or Elias, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say that your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Now, there's some profound things that are stated within the context of these verses, and and perhaps we can unpack that a little bit. But I also want to share one more verse of Scripture with you uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 14. So if you'd like to turn there with me. Something Jesus said to us. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus made this statement, and maybe I could preface or uh, preface the reading with the fact that Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he's essentially telling them that he is going to have to go to the cross and bear the sins of the world, and that in that he's going to end up giving his life as a ransom for everyone. And uh, you know how earth-shattering and shaking that must have been for them because they'd been with this man for nearly three and a half years, and now all of a sudden he said, I'm leaving. They said, well, you can't do that. What are we going to do, you know? He said, I'm going to send you another comforter, one of the same sort, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, because it sees him not, neither does he know, neither do they know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he's going to be in you. Hallelujah. And thank God Jesus made good on his promise, didn't he? I said Jesus made good on his promise. He sent, praise God, the promise of the Father so that you and I could be born again, born of the Spirit of God. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh, naturally speaking, is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's why he said you must be born of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. So in the context of all of this, as he's communicating with them, uh, the Bible says, he said, because I've said these things to you that sorrow has filled your heart, but it's expedient and to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't, then the comforter, the helper will not come. But if I do, then I'm going to send him to you. And again, thank God he did. But I want you to notice this one verse in John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, peace, I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus said that he is given, he said, I'm going to give you my peace, not the kind of peace that the world, you know, as long as everything's going all right, the world has peace. But when things aren't going right, the world doesn't have peace. How many of you know if you got the peace of God, all hell can be breaking loose and you can still be happy? Huh? It's a different kind of peace. It is a supernatural kind of peace. The Bible says the peace of God that passes or surpasses knowledge. In other words, you can be in the midst of a storm. You can have all kinds of challenges going on in your life. But I'm telling you, he said he was going to give us his peace. So then he went on to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Now, let me ask you an important question. Who is it that does that? We do. God doesn't do that. He, he, he's done what he needs to do. In other words, he wants us to be possessed of his peace, but you and I are the ones that have to walk within that peace. Are you with me? So he said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. These are going to be important words as we move off into the future of our lives. You and I, as we walk this journey out together in the name of Jesus, as his soon return comes, hallelujah, when Jesus appears, hallelujah. But you know, the Bible says that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men will become lovers of themselves. And boy, don't we see that. Huh? I said, don't we see that? People are so self-consumed that it drives them towards all kinds of behaviors that are anything but righteous, that are less than godly. And yet, in this crooked, this perverse, this corrupt world, he's asking you and I to shine as lights in that world, to be the salt of the earth. Salt is something that preserves. Whether you realize it or not, child of God, you are a preserver of life. And the way that you preserve it is by walking in the light of his word. When you don't compromise, when you don't say yes to the things that the world wants to do, and rather you say no. In other words, you uphold the standard by which you have come to know and understand in your relationship with God. It's kind of like Joseph, you know, when he was propositioned by Potiphar's daughter or Potiphar's wife, and he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You notice he didn't say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against you, even though he would have been doing that. Notice he didn't say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my master, Potiphar? No, he said, how can I do this and sin against God. Now, whether you realize it or not, it it, it doesn't make any difference what people think in the way in which you live your life. Because at the end of the day, they won't be there when you stand before God and give an account for what it is you've done. Are you with me? So, So what does that then imply? We shouldn't be too concerned about what other people think. The only thing that we really need to be concerned about is what he thinks. Huh? It is such a stumbling block within culture and society because we want acceptance. We want people to, you know, appreciate us or or befriend us or whatever the case might be. But the reality is that when you walk with Jesus as a follower of his, there is all kinds of likelihood that some won't like you. He said that if they persecuted me, it's reasonable that they're going to persecute you. And the reason for the persecution is because you and I have chosen to embrace the truth that is found in God's word to live godly, to live righteously huh? in this evil and this present world. He said the reason that they will be angry with you or come against you or whatever is for my sake. Are you with me? You name the name of Jesus. You're his. He stamped you, baby, with a seal when you gave your life to him. And he's not letting go. And you can run a 100 mile an hour the other way from him, and he will never, everybody say never, never leave you or forsake you. You can't run fast enough, baby. Huh? You cannot run fast enough. Even though there are a lot of believers that are doing a lot of running. Huh? Everybody say it together. God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way. Yeah, but I've tried. Now, you know, I just seem to fail and whatever. And I just can't do it. Lie. Lie? Lie. That's a lie. The Bible says, child of God, that you can do all things. Everybody say all things. 
Yes, through him who strengthens you. So you can certainly eliminate and eradicate things in your life that are keeping you from being able to enjoy the blessing of God. Are you with me? Now, come on now. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. Because I'll tell you what, here's the deal, you guys. God's got an incredible plan for every one of our lives. And as long as you and I make the decisions, the right kinds of choices, even though they may be difficult. Everybody say difficult. There are some kinds of decisions that you have to make, child of God, that they go cross-grain to the world. They are not like what they're thinking. Joshua led an entire nation into what it is that God had promised those people. And at the end of his days, he said, I'm going the way of all the earth. In other words, he knew that he was on his way out. Hallelujah. And he said, this is what we've done. And everything that God promised, he has, got, he has brought to pass. Not one word has failed of all of the good things that he said that he would do for us. Now you choose who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, what are we going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live for God. We're not going to apologize, thank God, that we're believers. We're not going to apologize because we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're not going to apologize because we love God and we love what it is that He's doing in the earth today. Now, sure, there's always pushback. There's always kinds of dissenters. There's all kinds of people, you know, that'll malign and speak evil and do all of these kinds of things. But I'm telling you, brother and sister, The Bible encourages you that when those times in your life happen and you don't bow, I said, you don't bow. The Bible says, praise God, that heaven, all of heaven delights in what it is that you've done. You remember the one uh, individual that Jesus healed? Uh, He was blind. And he went, I think he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He came back, you know, seeing and things and And the religious people of that day, the haters, how many of you know there's haters? You know, the haters, hallelujah, they're they're all over this guy because it was miraculous. People knew who he was. He sat there and he begged and, and, and all of these things took place. And so the common person, they knew that God had done something miraculous. Everybody say miraculous. God had done something beyond the ordinary course of nature. He caused the blind to see. And so they started, you know, interrogating him, interrogating his parents. A bunch of weak parents. Say, weak parents? Yeah, because when they started inquiring of them, they knew that if they said anything that would support Jesus, that they'd get kicked out of the church. You know, sometimes getting kicked out of the church is the best thing that can happen to someone. Some churches, let me qualify that. If you're going to a dead church, leave! What's the expectation here? If the church is dead, if it's not preaching life, if it isn't talking about people being born of the Spirit of God and filled with the Holy Ghost and living victoriously for Him, why stay? So you know, there's a lot of pastors and preachers that probably ain't going to like you very much. It's the way it goes. won't be the first time. Huh? Well, back to the story. They were, gonna, they were going to, if, if they said anything, you know, contrary to what it is, that the narrative that they had already created. How many of you know people create narratives? We might be listening to a few of them right now. They're trying to slam it down your throat, and you know that ain't true. Huh? So they said, well, you know, uh, this is definitely our son. At least they couldn't deny him. But how he come to be able to see, we don't know. Ask him. Well, they'd already asked him. Huh? And you know, the preach came on this kid. I don't know that he was a kid, but anyway, the preach came on him. He said, you know, they said, tell us, what happened? Well, how'd that, how'd that happen? He says, I've already told you once. Do you want me? I mean, what is it? Do you want to believe? Boy, I mean, they were enraged. 
The Bible says they, they kicked him out of the church. Well, you know what? Jesus found that guy. I said he sought him out and found him because he'd been persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ. And he found him. Kathy, he found him and he talked to him and he said, Hey, uh, I see they're treating you like me. And before it was over with, you know, uh, he just said, Who is he that I should believe? And he said, The guy that's standing in front of you is him. And he said, I believe. Life-changing experience, eh? Started with somebody getting healed by the power of God. But it also started, praise God, or continued on when people were unwilling to deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, you know, in your life, you guys, you know, you, you wrestle and you struggle and you're just, you know, challenging things. Nothing's changing and all this is remaining the same. Dude, you got to make a decision. Huh? Who are you going to serve? Because it's only in that place that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even ask or think. Sometimes we have to stop making excuses. Ouch. Come on. Because sometimes, you know, there's a place that God wants to take us, but he can't. Are you with me? until something changes in here. With me? Nation of Israel suffered under the bondage of Egypt for 430 years. And God said to Moses, I'm going to make a deliverer out of you. And he sent him to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he said, you're crazy. Well, you know the whole story before it was over with. Guess what? Pharaoh let him go. I said, Pharaoh, let them go. You know, when God gets ready to do something, I'm telling you, there isn't anything anybody can do about it. You know, when Jesus said, if I go, I will come again, he's coming again. Are you with me? And so they, you know, of course, he let them go. But here's the thing you need to understand. These people were living in the land of not enough. They were living in a place of survival. I mean, it was hand to mouth. And God said, that is not good. I'm going to deliver them. And he gets them out into the wilderness. And then they get out there and he's supplying to them. He's providing for them. So they're in this place of of just enough. There's a lot of Christians living in a place just enough. You know, in other words, they got their hand in the world and they got a little bit in the church or the kingdom of God and they're just kind of on the fence, you know, and they're kind of getting, God does not want you to just get by. He does not want you to have a friendship with the world. And I'll get to a little bit more of that when I... (laughs) Well, if you think it's hot now, just wait. Hallelujah. No, God wants to take you into a land that is more. Everybody say more. More than enough. Not, Not enough, just enough, but more than enough. Now, you know he couldn't get those people in there. Try as he may. They all ended up dying in a place with just enough. Are you with me? I'm telling you what, God's on your side. He's for you. All of the things that you're wrestling with, the personal issues and problems and whatever the case might be, God wants to help you. But I tell you what, you got to open up the door. You have to let him in to your life. And a lot of times people are afraid to do that. Because they think, well, you know, my God, you know, that guy was here, you know, this weekend, and he ended up in in Haiti, for crying out loud. Is God going to do that to me? Not only that, before that, it was over, he goes to China. And, you know, telling you what, that guy was just like you. You know, he heard his testimony, didn't he? He's going he's gonna to homestead. He's going to Alaska. He's got all of his gear ready and all this and that and the other, and he's going to go live where there are no people. It's kind of a good idea sometimes. But God had other plans. I said, God had other plans. And God has plans for you. He's Listen, he said, I know the plans I have for you. Not the person next to you, not to the person there or behind you or any place else. He's got a plan for you. 
And it doesn't make any difference what your age is. Some people think that, you know, they passed the opportunity. It's never too late. I said, it's never too late. I said, it's never too late. And some people, you know, they're young and they're impressionable and they're trying to get their lives together. They're trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, they don't know what their identity is. And I'm telling you, your identity is found in him. It's in God, the plan that God has. And I'm not talking about becoming a minister or a preacher. Maybe you will. But I'm talking about obeying God and following him to become whatever it is that he ordained for you to be. But you've got to just say, I'm in. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm in. Are you with me? You know, I've told this story before, but I guess it bears repetition. Back in, uh, I'm going to say July, it might have been August, I don't know. I was up on a roof painting a couple's house. They just built this new home, and, and I was kind of the last thing before they moved in. I was painting the house. My wife and I had just got back from Bible school. Brian was two months old. So we got this little beater on the ground, you know. And when you have kids, just ask Zach. Your world changes. Where are you, Zach? Can I give you a hard time? Sure. Your world changes. We have such, you know, I'll never have a van. You know, I ain't going to have no van. My son told me that. He's got a van. You know, your world changes. You've got a lot of ideas, huh? But your world changes. And so he was two months old, and we were living with Joan's folks. And um, I worked for my brother-in-law from 6 to 2.30, and then after that I painted houses. I'd paint anything. I would paint anything for so much a square foot. And I'm up on this house, and I'm painting. And I'm up on this ladder, and I'm painting this house. And I'm just pondering, you know, my life and where I'm at and what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on me in in a powerful kind of arresting kind of way. Do you understand where I'm coming from? In other words, I'm minding my own business, you know, and I'm doing what I'm doing. But I was so arrested. That's the only way I know how to describe it, that I could not keep going. So I stopped. I put the sprayer down and I climbed down off the ladder and I went out into the driveway where our car was, where my vehicle was. And I started having a conversation with my heavenly father. And he said, I didn't call you to paint houses. I called you to preach my word. So you pretty much had, you know, it's not like you can get out of this. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I already had known that because a year prior to that, actually in June of the year prior to that, I'd been in a little, uh, 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 I guess you'd call it a Pentecostal, maybe an uh, Assembly of God church, and he had called me into the ministry, and I accepted that call. So now we're a year, maybe 14 months down the road here, and I've got, you know, responsibilities and things of that nature. How many of you know God knows you have responsibilities? And so, you know, I'm having this conversation. As it turns out, the couple, you know, they, they drove in the driveway, and I'm instead of working, you know, Brian, I'm out having this come-to-Jesus meeting with Jesus, you know, leaning up against my car. And they said, well, is there something wrong? I said, no. I said, nothing's wrong. <laughs> I mean, and I said, God's just dealing with me. I don't know that they understood that concept or not, but they said, well, okay, you know, walked in the house. <laughs> I think they got the general impression that maybe they weren't invited. I don't know, but good people, God-fearing people. And so I made my consecration. It's like a, their driveway is an altar my life that I said I will do what you want me to do. I don't know how. Crap, I'm only... You know, 23 years old, I don't have a clue. I think I was actually 22. But I said, I'll do it, whatever that is. Now, thank God I had sense enough not to quit doing what I was doing. (laughs) Guess what? I got back up on the ladder and finished the job. I want the money. Hallelujah. And I kept painting houses, and I kept working for my brother-in-law, and I did all of those things. 
but it was a, it, it's a matter of your heart. God doesn't care about your affluence and where you derive in life with this, that, or the other. He cares about your heart. And if you will do what he asks you to do, he will bless your life and enrich your life and cause your life to be blessed in every way. We're proof of it. But there's decisions that you have to make. And some of you, okay, you're riding the fence. And when you ride the fence, generally speaking, you end up getting your britches ripped out. You know what I mean? And sometimes it goes deeper than the britches. And you got, to, you got some decisions to make. Am I in the right house? Here's what I can tell you. Nobody can make that decision but you. And here's another thing I can tell you. If you make the right decision, as painful as it might be, that in the end, payday will come from heaven. Are you with me? November of that year, uh, the Lord spoke to us about starting this church. And in December, or January, I should say, of 79, this church was born out of an encounter on somebody else, somebody's roof. But there's decisions you have to make, and some of them are hard. Some of you guys, you, you, you got to stop laying in bed with the world. I, you know, I, I, when I was meditating, pondering this, I'm thinking, God, I do not want to be the delivery boy for this. But you know, if you're really going to help people, come on. I mean, you can live in your sin. You can mess with whatever it is you're messing around with. You can live a lie if you want to, or you can live honestly before God and get and enjoy peace. Everybody say peace. Because you don't have any peace. And the reason you don't, and you got all this fighting and warring going on, all these arguments that are in your house, and it's jacking you and it's messing you up. That's why we're doing all these things on marriage. We're trying to help people not self-destruct. You know, the one that's for free, dude, I'd show up. Huh? You know, the thing about it is we talk about this, but the reality is is when you make people pay, they're more likely to come. Go figure. When they got skin in the game, somehow or another they feel like they have to go. But you should come. We're going to take care of your kids. This was all around a staff uh, uh, meeting table talking about how we can help you. What can we do? I mean, you know, we're willing to do what it is that we can to organize this thing for you to come on Sunday afternoon and do this and be a part of this and grow and learn and, and, and build your marriage. We can't make you come, but we've done everything we can think of to take every excuse you got away from you. Huh? But back to this issue about, you know, being in two places at once and one of those places you don't belong. Those are tough decisions. Some of you, and the, and the funny thing about it is, is the further you go down the road in the mess, the harder it is to get out of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Gary talked about, Gary Crowell in one of his services about he went on one date and he knew right away that girl was not for him. He went on another date, he knew that girl wasn't for him, but he stayed in the relationship, you know, for a while and then he did a lot of damage and hurt him and so on and so forth and whatever. You know, it isn't like we don't know. Am I in the right house? Come on. A lot of times we just excuse and, and <laughs> have all kinds of things. Back in, uh, I suppose it would have been July, maybe, I don't know if it was August or not. I think it was July. My wife, who at the time in 1975 was my girlfriend. And we uh, had been dating for two years. And I got to tell you guys, we loved each other. We had a blast together. But in December of that previous year, in 74, she lost her brother-in-law. And uh, it rocked her world. And it's so unfortunate because I was just out of high school. She was still a senior. And and, and she called me and told me about this, and, and I was no help. I could not help her in her grief. I could not help her in her 
uh, sorrow or anything because I was just as jacked up as she was. You know what I mean? Well, so her, her single driving question was simply, if that would have been me, would I have went to heaven? And it haunted her. And so she got an invite to go to a uh, Bible camp. Was that thing for two weeks? It was for two weeks. Two. Everybody say two. Yeah, out in Estes Park. Well, she liked to travel, so she was in. You know, if I can go here or there, she went to, you know, Brazil and different places like that, any opportunity like that because she enjoyed traveling. So she goes out there not having any clue that she was going to end up having an encounter with Jesus. Took her four days to get saved because in Campus Crusade for Christ's uh, uh, booklet, it has four spiritual laws. So they did one every day. She wishes they just told her the fourth one on day one, then she got God saved right then. But she gave her heart to Jesus. She surrendered her life to him. Now, you know, a lot of people, they think, you know, well, you're just weak, you know, or you're religious or whatever. Dude, I can tell you right now, you're weak, whether you know it or not. You can tell me everything you want because I was there. I've been there. Rode the horse, got the T-shirt and everything. And the reality is, is that without him, you are nothing. You're nothing without him. So she gets saved. Me and my friends, were out there partying. So we decided we should go up to Estes Park. We should see my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife, my girlfriend. And I can remember that day she came out of this building and, you know, we, I don't know, somehow or another made arrangements to meet. We came, you know, uh, met one another in the middle of this parking lot and embraced each other. And she says, I need to talk to you. I said, great, hallelujah. No, I didn't say hallelujah. Okay. <clears throat> We're talking about making difficult decisions, you guys. And some of you got some real difficult choices that you need to make if you want God's best in your life. And trust me, you do. Are you with me? So she said, I need to talk to you. And uh, so, you know, we, I don't know, went someplace, sit down on a park bench or a picnic table or something like that. And she said, you know, she said, I, I want you to know that I have given my life to Jesus Christ. And I thought, okay, great. And then she went on to say, And because I've made this decision, you and I can no longer be together. Ow. I'm thinking, what? What? I told my friends they brainwashed her, man. Well, they they talked to her all right, but I tell you, she had a heart change. That's what happened. Now, did you you remember I, I told you I loved her and she loved me? Tough decision for her. Did you hear me? This is where your character, this is where we get down to the short rows, where the rubber meets the road about your life and what's going to happen or not going to happen. Are you with me? She said, so we're done. Now, it was, it was I, don't, I can't imagine what it must have been like for her because it was hard. She's the one that had to keep me at bay. But here's the decision she made. She made a decision that she was going to follow Christ. Are you listening to me? Because the counselor said, you'll, you'll never succeed if you stay with him. And, she, and they were right. Because I would have sucked her right back into the same mess that we were already in. And listen to me, you guys. You know better. And I'm telling you, there's stuff you can do to get out of your junk. And you got to do whatever it takes. Whatever bridge burning that needs to happen, you better do it. Are you with me? Aren't you glad you came today? And you know, I'm pretty rough on you about the whole deal, but the thing about it is, is if you love someone and you want to help them and you want them to have life, this is what you got to tell them. So should have dropped me like a bad habit. And then I went on my pursuit and the whole thing, you know, and, and, and here's the point I want to make is that my girlfriend, now my wife, because, you know, God was able to work all of that out in that next couple years. We dated for a couple more years after I got saved. Here's the thing. 
she was not willing. She, for the first time in her life, she'd experienced a peace in her heart that she could not deny, and she was unwilling. Everybody say unwilling. She was unwilling to give it up for anything, including me, and that wasn't easy. Now, for you in your life, there may be those that are in your life, but they're not good for you. Huh? They're not good for you. I'm not talking about, you know, being in a married relationship. I mean, you've got a whole other thing that you have to deal with in that context. I'm talking about poor relationships that do not support your decision to be a follower. Everybody say follower. A follower of Jesus. Hell will make all kinds of promises to you and never make good on any of them. He's a liar. Are you listening to me? And so as we go down the road of life, we have these difficult decisions that we have to make. But I'm telling you, my friends, any decision that you make for him is never a bad one. Huh? And, and so all of this I'm saying to you because I believe that there are some, some really momentous, some, some incredibly powerful things that God wants to do in people's lives in this new year. But there are going to be some decisions that you have to make, changes that have to be made. Are you listening to me? In order for that to happen. Now, if you want to, you can stay in the land of not enough. You can stay in the land of just enough. I'm telling you what, heaven wants you to live in the land of more than enough. Amen? So I encourage you, whoever you may be, I'm not, you know, I mean, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't want to be the delivery boy anyway, but I know, listen to me, I know that this is going on. Not because I know anything in the natural, but I know by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? You know, we've, we've let ourselves relax when it comes to the way that we're carrying ourselves as believers. You know, if you name the name of Jesus, you represent him. The Bible says you're a living epistle, read and known of all men. How are you being read, friend? When you compromise, when you go places that you shouldn't go, when you do things you shouldn't do. Am I in the right house? He said, put these things away. Come on. Now you might be sitting there thinking, I don't like you very much, but you will. Because yeah. I'm telling you the stuff because I love you. Amen. I can give you some flowery motivational speech, you know, about, you know, whoop-de-doo or whatever the case might be, or I can tell you about the truth when it comes to your personal life. You want to sleep well at night? Want to have peace that passes all understanding? You want to position yourself. Listen, you want to position yourself. Put yourself in a place where the blessing of God can flow into your life. And let me tell you guys, listen to me. Nobody else can do this for you. Are you with me? But see, you can do it. Did you hear me? People say, well, I just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's not true. You can. Amen. If nothing else, tell God, I don't think I can do this. And then say, what should I do? And he will give you a step. Did you hear me? Okay. God, I just wish you'd speak to me. Gives you a step. And you, right after that, you go, God, I wish you'd just speak to me. No, really, what you want God to do is take the whole thing away so that it doesn't cost you nothing and you don't have to do nothing. Thanks for your excitement, enthusiasm, but I'm telling you it's good anyway. Woo! I got I to gotta shout myself because there ain't a whole lot of shouting coming back at me, you know. Glory to God. Y'all glad you came today? Is it 1143? Is that what that says? Putting yourself in this way. You know, everybody, we talk about success and all this. You want to put yourself in the way of success? Then decide you're going to obey him and you're going to clean house. Did you hear me? Because I'm telling you what, God's got some great... He didn't send you to this church so that you could just take up a, you know 
space and this and that. He, he sent you to this church so that your life could be changed. Did you hear me? And I'm telling you that if you give this church a year of your life, you will not be the same in 12 months from now. Because we will challenge you. You can play the game, you know, and you can go do the dirt and the whatever. No, I'm not done yet. Stop pressing and shutting me up. You, you know, you, you can do that, but your life will be miserable. And there's a whole bunch of folk that can attest to that fact. Are you listening to me? I think about um, George and Kim. They came to our church. When did you guys come to our church? 92 or 3? Yeah. And they were living together. And so I'm preaching probably about like I am right now about not living together. Now, I didn't make up the rules, okay? Just so you know, it said that we're not, be, you know, number one, not to be unequally yoked with one another, you know, uh, uh, as unbelievers, you know, and that, t- I mean, if you're a believer and you're messing around with an unbeliever, what are you doing? Huh? I remember I told this story before, but it bears repetition. Had a guy come up to me. We had a youth Bible study and he's, he's sweet on this girl. And she's not a believer, man. And, and uh, he comes up to me and he says, uh, hey, tell me. He says, uh, what do you think about dating unbelievers? And I didn't have an answer, but he did. And I'm sitting there wondering how I should answer him. And all of a sudden, it just come up out of my innermost being. I said, I don't know. What do you think? Because he already knew. And he married her for a while. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. Amen? Not everything in a wrapper is really a Reese's Pieces. Some of them are what? Some of them are nuts. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, this thing's deteriorating. How many of you would like to have God's best for your life? It's, it's done in Him. Did you hear me? Now, some of you, you don't have overt sin in your life and all of that and this and that and the other, but you're still not happy. Well, let me rephrase that. You don't have His joy. There's just this underlying frustration in your life. Huh? Am I in the right house? And so you complain, and you gripe, and you fuss. <laughs> this is so good. What's for dinner today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, anyway, and, 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 and here's the thing about it. I got I to gotta throw a little levity in here or else, you know, who knows what might happen. <clears throat> Probably good things. Uh, but, you know, the thing, what ends up happening, unfortunately, is, is that we blame everything else and everyone else around us for our own discontent. And the reason is, is our expectation is, is that that person or the circumstance is going to give us the peace or the joy that we want, and it doesn't come. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The Bible says that you and I are to be content with such things as we have. Huh? You know? But lots of people, they strive, they fight, they cuss, they bite. I mean, you know, they do all these kinds of things, you know, and still they're not getting where they want. Listen to me, you guys. I I trust that what I'm sharing with you will help you, but God wants to bless your life. But it's but the but the decision or the choice of it all it rests with you. Your spouse is not your problem. Now they may be behaving badly. They may may not be doing what it is that they they may be. Sometimes you'd be surprised at the blindness that that hell will put on you to make you think one thing when it is the furthest thing from the truth. But as long as you're in that place to where you're not coming before him and humbling yourself before him and saying, God, help me. Are you with me? Then it just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, we're going to do something about a bunch of that stuff. I said we're going to do some things about that. Amen? 
Amen? And if you've got stuff that's going on in your life that's not right, you're going to get that out, aren't you? I said you're going to get that out. Amen? You know, people say, well, if I do that, you know, then this and that and the other. So what? I'm telling you the best move you ever make in life is the ones that are moving you towards the will of God and the plan of God for your life. And that might mean that you've got to get rid of some of your flaky, funky friends. Are you with me? Telling you they're no good to you. Yeah, but they're my friends. I've known them all my life. But do they contribute to the support of your decision to become a follower of Jesus? Huh? Yeah, they're your buddies. Well, I tell you what, get a bunch of your buddies and let them take you on a trip someplace and they'll take you out. And before you know it, you'll be behaving like them. Happens all the time. No, praise the Lord, I'm going to convert them. Hallelujah. I remember that, you know, when we first got saved, people wanted to go back into the bars and get people saved. I said, well, you know what? You can get them saved without being in the bar. Did you know a bar is no place for a child of God? Whoops. Come on. I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, if you go in to have dinner or something like that and they happen to have a bar there, but if you're going to hang out with them, you're in the wrong spot. You say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, one more story while we're at it. After I got saved, I'm still hanging with my friends, but I am thoroughly born again. Jesus is real in me. And we're sitting in a bar, you know, smoke-filled room, you know. People are partying their brains out. We just got done playing football. We were on a league team, you know, playing flag football, and that's where we went because the Depot Lounge was the ones supporting us. So we're in there drinking. And, you know, I'm sitting at a bar with one of my very best friends. And, and you know, we get done. And I, well, not done. We're in the middle of this, and I turn around, and all of a sudden, I look out. And I'm telling you, I never had this thought ever in my life. My dad owned a bar. We, you know, he ran a bar. I mean, I knew all about the whole bar thing. You know, I got the bar thing down. But I turned around on that stool, Isla, and I heard these words, you don't belong here. And I said it out loud. I said, I don't belong here. So I turned to my friend, Slim, and I said, you can have all my beers. Now, he really knew there was something wrong with me. You never give your beer up. Are you kidding me? And I, I stood up, and I walked out the door and never went back. Don't tell me that, you know, this social drinking stuff. Now, here I go, man. I'm getting into some weeds here. But I'm going to do it anyway. All right? You can say whatever it is you want. Now they're legalizing dope, you know, where you can smoke dope. It's the worst. It's like a plague. And it'll destroy this country. It's from hell. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I was one. You know, when you're a doper, this is the best news they've ever heard. They're lining up for miles. Man, we could go buy it. Legal. And it'll ruin their life. Now, I'm not against, you know, the, the oil or whatever it is that they use, you know, to help people and that type of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a lifestyle where you're, you know, like John Kennedy said, they need to put the bong down. You remember that? Where is Kennedy from? Is he like Kentucky or one of Louisiana or someplace? He's a senator. And he was talking about something. He said, I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to put the bong down. I'm, pr- I'm kind of meandering here right now, but I'm hitting it on all cylinders, okay? Here we go. We'll just, we'll just shovel off the whole load. If you're smoking dope and drinking beer, stop it, okay? How, it, do you get that? He said, like I said, that's, that, that thought was never an original with me, but I heard it on the inside of me. You don't belong here. Child of God, you don't belong in a bar. You say, well, you're being judgmental. No, I don't care. Go ahead. Have at it, baby. Just get goat stinking drunk. Wake up the next day. Come on. And then you, fi- then you wonder what happened to all your money. You spent it the night before buying drinks for everybody else, and now you can't pay your rent. It's hideous. Are you with me? You know, they go to these dope stores. And I don't know what they get for now. You know, you used to be able to buy a lid or an ounce, you know, for like 15 bucks. Now, dude, I mean, I looked at some of these prices on there. I'm thinking, whoo. Somebody's getting rich. They sure are. And I'll tell you why the states are doing it. 
is because they don't manage their money the way that they should and they need more revenue, so they're just going to tax us not out of it, make money off of it. But they don't care about you. They don't care about people. They don't care about culture. They don't care about nothing. It's only the money. So be smart enough not to succumb and yield to this nonsense. Are you with me? And for all you Facebook lovers out there, I hope you've been listening the whole service. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, so much of the time, you know, people will say, well, you shouldn't say that. You know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But if somebody doesn't, who's going to? We're just going to lay down, you know, and just, you know, not, not speak the truth. And I'm not, I'm not pounding anybody. I mean, I'm speaking the truth in love. I'm telling you, this stuff will kill you. But you can have life and life more abundant. Okay, well, I've talked enough. There's a little music thing jumping up and down. Look, everybody look back there on the wall. Did you have your, that music symbol right in the middle? That was jumping up and down, so it must be time to quit. That's... Who's that? Jim, are you doing that? Oh, it wasn't Jim. All right, so here. Let's, let's do this. I want you to stand with me, if you would. And let's, let's make some decisions here, shall we? Now, again, you know, you may not have some kind of whatever it is that I've talked about. But, you know, really, uh, maybe just let me put it in this context, especially about your marriages, you guys. Um, I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to be at peace. I want you to live peaceably with one another. I want you to love one another. Are you listening to me? I hear conversations that couples have between them, and they're not good. Did you hear me? There's, 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 there's stuff that doesn't belong there. The Bible says that we're not to let any corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer. So maybe that's your your point in this commitment that I'm going to ask of you today. Maybe you're the guy that I was talking about that maybe you've been, been, you know, smoking dope. Maybe you've been drinking, you know. People, you know, and I get it. I mean, people don't like the preacher to invade their space, but I'm your pastor. And I'm going to tell you the truth, man. And the reason is because I love you and I want better for you. You know, do I think drinking will send you to hell? No. You know, but if you want to please God, if you want to obey God, the Bible says that we're to avoid all appearance of evil. Huh? And so you, well, I don't want to get into all that. You get it. 